At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Through this three-week series, we're turning to the biblical book of Isaiah to discover how God's holiness, forgiveness, and love compel us to share Him with others. We'll come face-to-face with whatever's keeping us from answering God's call as Isaiah did. Send me. Yeah, I can't tell you how excited I am to see that God is on the move in the lives of young people. And you know, that doesn't just stop there. God's call to go is a call that goes on all of our lives. And uh, that's what we're going to be talking about today as well as we are continuing and ending our series entitled Send Me. So if you have a Bible, I encourage you to take it out and turn with me to Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6. And we're going to begin in verse 1 and we'll We'll look at the first nine verses of that together. This is a passage that we've been taking a look at for the past several weeks, and so it should be familiar to you if you've been with us. And if you're new this morning, uh, we'll do a quick recap so you won't feel as though you're missing out. So Isaiah chapter 6, beginning in verse 1, this is what it says. It says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple, Above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings, with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, woe is me. For I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal, and he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then I said, Here am I, send me. And he said, Go. This is one of the most remarkable passages in Scripture is when the God of the universe comes to one of his servants, one of his children, and he tells them to go. And we've been looking at this passage for for several weeks now and Today, I want us, as we look at this passage for one last time, I want us to make it internal to us. This is not just, I don't want this just to be a story that took place in Scripture, something that happened to a man many, many years ago. This story, this account in Scripture has direct implication on your life. It's not just something that we read in a page and say, oh, that's great. I'm so happy for Isaiah. I'm so glad that he was forgiven. I'm so glad that he experienced forgiveness from the Lord and now has this calling of the Lord to go. That's good for him. I, I, I thank God that God sends people. That's sometimes that's our disposition when we come to passages like this. When we hear this call, this clear call on Isaiah's life, we're like, ah, that's for somebody else. But I wanted to remind you this morning That whether or not you believe it or whether or not you understand it, your life is telling a story. Your life 
is telling a story. Every day you live is the next page of that story. And those that are around you right now in your lives are witnessing your story unfolding. And here's the thing about your story. Your life is telling a story to those that will come after you. And here's the sad thing, is that the story of your life might die with the next generation. Do you you understand that? I mean, you you probably know your grandparents, right? You may know your great-grandparents, but do you know your great-great-great-grandparents? I mean, do you know their lives? Do you know their struggles? Do you know what they love? Do you know what they believe? Do you know what they live for? Do you know those things? Right, it's so easy for us to stay here right now in the now and forget that our lives are telling a story and many of our stories are gonna end with our children. They're not gonna go beyond that. I wanna tell you a story this morning about one life that was lived years ago that impacted my life. I'll never forget, I was a child growing up in in a Baptist church and we heard the story about Lottie Moon. Lottie Moon was a young woman, well she was a, a woman that was born in 1840 in Virginia. Her family was very wealthy and they had given her every opportunity that she could to be successful in this life. From a young age, she had every access to education. So her parents were wealthy. She had access to education that most girls didn't. And so she pressed in deep to that. And so as a young woman, she attended Virginia Female Seminary, where at the age of 14, she graduated from there and then went on to Albemarle Female Institute at 17. During that time, she became proficient in Greek, in Latin, in Italian, in French, in Spanish, and she even took up Hebrew. One of the pastors in her area uh, quoted and said that Lottie Moon is one of the, the most educated women that I've ever known. But while she was a young woman of means and while she was a young woman that was full of education, she had everything at her fingertips in her heart She was a sinner. Her heart was so far away from God. And she had some special friends that surrounded her while she was in school and they prayed for her. They prayed that she would come to know Christ. And John Broadus, who was a a famous pastor at the time, was coming into town, who was gonna preach some, some revivals. And so they came into town and her friends were praying that Lottie would come. And Lottie's like, I'm not going, I'm not going. And on one morning, there was a sunrise, revival meeting and Lottie showed up. Her friends had been praying that she would show up and she showed up. And what had happened was that God had worked in her life in such a way is that night before that she couldn't sleep because there was a barking dog that wouldn't stop barking and he kept barking incessantly all night long and Lottie couldn't sleep. So she thought to herself, well, I can go to this meeting and there while the preacher is preaching, I can finally rest. We know how God works. And while she was there, she saw and heard the gospel explained to her. It's as though the pastor was speaking directly to her heart and directly to her needs. And that night, she gave her life to Jesus. 
everything that had come clear to her about her sin and how Jesus came to die in her place and to die for her sins and that through Jesus she could be forgiven and be made right with God and there her life was changed when she was 18 years old. Her heart led her to want to make a difference. And so at the time, there weren't very many opportunities for women. The mission board, the foreign mission board, which was the sending agency for all missionaries, had a rule that single women couldn't serve on the field. And so Lottie was very dis- disturbed by that because she really felt God's call in her life to go and to tell others about Jesus. And so instead of being able to go to the mission field, she decided she would become a teacher. And so she taught faithfully for years and years and years. And 14 years later, four, after 14 years of faithfully teaching young women, the Foreign Mission Board changed their minds. And Lottie was asked by her sister to go serve in China. And Lottie's like, ah, that's not for me. I'm, I'm fine here. Everything's good. And Lottie went to church on one Sunday morning and her pastor was preaching Isaiah chapter 6. Who will go for us? And she was so deeply moved by that sermon that she went home that afternoon and she like locked herself away from everyone and she just took her Bible and spent time with the Lord. She's like, Lord, if you're calling me to this, if you're calling me to this, let me know. And she heard the voice of God say, go. And so Lottie, she applied and was appointed and went to China as a single woman at the age of 33. She began serving in a very, very hard place, going village to village, trying to tell people about Jesus. And it was very, very hard work. She was in a place where there's so much poverty, so much overwhelming hardships that she didn't find converts very easy. People weren't receptive to the gospel. In essence, they saw this woman from America come and they, they thought she was a demon woman and they didn't want to have anything to do with her. That is what God called her to, to being rejected, moving halfway across the world or on the other side of the world and being rejected. But this is what she said during her time of ministry there. How many there are who imagine that because Jesus paid it all, they need pay nothing. Forgetting that the prime objective of their salvation was that they should follow in the footsteps of Jesus Christ in bringing back a lost world to God. How often we forget that Jesus, though he did pay it all, he gave his very life for us, that we think that that salvation is just for ourselves. That we believe it, that we receive it, and then we sit in it. It's not the call that God has on our lives. And we see through Lottie's life that she obeyed God and she served where he sent her. God sent her to China. God had a goal for her life. My question to you is, is you should be asking yourselves, what would compel her to live in this way? What would compel Lottie to give up financial security, to give up her home, to give up her career to go? That should be the question that we ask today. 
Why would someone be willing to give up everything to go to a place where she would be rejected? As we look at the passage today, as we conclude our series, what I want us to look at today is that God's calling on our life compels us to go. God's calling on our life, God's calling on your life compels you to go. And how do we get to this place? How do we get to the place where we, where we actually can say, Lord, here am I, send me. I want us to look at this text again, and I want us to see two truths, two things that must take place. First, in order to get to that point, we must be listening for God's calling. We must be listening for God's calling. Look with me in verse 8. Isaiah says, and then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then I said, here am I, send me. Let me give you a quick recap into where we're at. Right now we just learned that King Uzziah has died. And so there's the stability, instability in the kingdom. There's a questioning of who's really in control, what's going on, what's going to happen to the, the nation of Israel in the course of all history. And Isaiah, who had been called the prophet of God, sees a vision of the glory and holiness of God. In an instant, as Isaiah has an opportunity to see into the heavenly throne room, he sees God in all of his holiness. He sees the seraphim worshiping God, saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. He sees that God, the creator of all the universe, is completely different, completely separate, different and separate from himself. He sees God in his holiness. He sees God in his pure essence. And as Isaiah sees the glimpse of God in his holiness, it shakes him to his core. Isaiah is undone by the radiant majesty of God's holiness and Isaiah falls to his knees in his unworthy, not innocent state. He's unable to join this heavenly worship because he sees the impurity of his mouth and he sees the impurity of the mouths of his people. How with their mouths they have blasphemed God. With their mouths they have said horrendous things to others that have been made in the image of God. Isaiah sees his sinfulness. And this is always what happens. When we come into the presence of God and we understand and see God for who he really is, we immediately see who we really are. And the closer we come to God, the more of our sin is revealed to us. And this is what's happened in Isaiah's life. He sees God and he's undone. He's not innocent before this holy and righteous God. Isaiah sees himself as worthy of condemnation. He knows that God has the right and the power because of his sin to kill him in in that instant. But instead, as he sees this vision into heaven, he sees God's grace immediately come towards him. God's mercy and his grace as the seraphim stop for a moment of worshiping God, come down to the altar, pick up this burning coal that is on the altar and places it on his lips. In that act, what's taking place is Isaiah's sins are atoned for. Through the sacrifice that was given, Isaiah now is forgiven And can you imagine, he sees the severity of his sin. He sees how dirty, how filthy, how rotten, how unrighteous he is. And then to receive forgiveness 
It's as though all of his sins are wiped away. He's now in a place of all. Because now he has the opportunity to worship and to join that heavenly worship and calling out the character of God as holy, holy, holy. And we see this response. So Isaiah has seen the holiness of God. He's been cleansed by the grace of God. And now he's finally able to hear God's voice. After all of that work, he now has the opportunity to hear from God. Because the distance that's there from a holy God and a sinful man, that bridge, that gulf has been spanned and has been brought together through forgiveness. And as Isaiah now is forgiven, now he's close enough to be able to hear the voice of God in his life. And the voice of God comes to him. And says, whom shall I send? God is not asking this question. We need to get this, have the understanding of what he's saying here. God is not asking him this question or asking this question in general from a place of deficiency. God does not need Isaiah. We know that God can use anybody in anything. God can use a, a, a mule if he wants to. God also can allow the rocks to cry out if he wants to. But God chooses to use you and me as his humble servants. And in this sense, he comes to him, not in lacking deficiency, but in essence, what he's saying to Isaiah is, Isaiah, okay, now consider what you've just experienced. Consider all that you've just seen and experienced. Now what should you do? Isaiah responds after seeing the holiness of God and the cleansing of the grace of God. How, how can I do anything else but to give my life to you? Completely. You've done all the work that I cannot do myself. Isaiah couldn't fix himself. Isaiah couldn't become sinless because he was sinful. He needed someone else to intercede on his behalf and it happened in this heavenly throne room. And now Isaiah's only response is, here am I, send me. That is a complete and total surrender. Here am I, send me. My, my question to you this morning is, are you listening to the call of God in your life? I mean, we're all listening to some voice. Right? We're all, we hear voices all day long and there's some voice that you're listening to that is determining the steps of your day. It could be the voice of shame. The voice saying, you're not good enough. You're not worthy enough. And so every single day you're living your life trying to earn acceptance. You're trying to earn favor. You're trying to be good enough. You're trying to be smart enough. And you're, you're listening to that voice and you're following after that voice and it's not leading you to happiness. Maybe it's the voice of success that says you've got to be better. You've got to do better. And you're following after that voice. See, all of those voices that we follow cause us to be exhausted. Right? Because you're striving, you're seeking, you're working, you're doing, you're making it happen. And that's how so many people are living their lives. But the call of God on our lives is not do better, be better. But it's to stop doing and let me. All you got to do is lift your hands up and say, God, here am I, send me. That's right. 
and we just follow him. Here am I, send me. Lottie Moon understood this calling. This is another quote that she she sent in her writings because while she was in China, seeing the desperation that was there, seeing that people were dead in their trespasses and sin and dying and going to hell, she was so moved by them. She's like, man, this mission field is so overwhelming. I can't do this alone. So she constantly sent letters back to America, encouraging churches and young students to give their lives to the same call. And this is what she wrote. Should we not press it home upon our consciences? That the sole object of our conversion was not the salvation of our own souls, but that we might become co-workers with the Lord and Master in the conversion of the world. You were not saved just so that you could be saved. You were saved so that you could go and be a messenger so that others may be saved as well. Let us not forget that. And so we need to understand, while God may not be calling you to become an overseas missionary, you may not be the next Lottie Moon, although my prayer is, is that even in this room right now, some would be sensing the call on your heart from the Lord, saying, I have more for you. I have more for you. You're not done yet. And my prayer is that one of the heartbeats of our church is to be a sending church where we become, we become that hospital where people that are sick in their sin, they come here and they feel loved, they feel encouraged, and they come to experience the love and grace and mercy of Jesus Christ, and they give their lives to Jesus, and then they're equipped. Like they know the word, they know how to, to understand the word, they know how to be fed from the word, and then they're called to be sent. Man, my prayer is that our church would be full of people that we're constantly turning them over. People come in for a while and we send them away. People come in for a while and we send them away. Come in for a while and they send them away. That's my heart for our church. Is that we would be ascending church. But it requires that we listen to the voice of the Lord. The question is not if you're called. You are called. If you're a child of God, if you've come to believe Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, you are called. You're called not to stay. You're called to go. Go outside of your comfort zone. Go outside of your own mind. Go outside of your own heart and to care for those that are around you. Listening to the call of God in your life does not require some mystical out-of-body experience. It means getting yourself alone with the Lord so you can listen to his voice. The problem is is that many of us are living lives with headphones. We can't hear the voice of God because there's so much noise in our lives. All these competing messages and it's just so loud and really it's all nothing more than static. And my prayer is this morning that we as a church collectively would choose to take those headphones off and just say, okay, God, Speak. What, what is it that you want to do with my life? And when we listen, I guarantee you, he will speak. But some of, some of us are just so afraid. I don't want to hear the, voice, the Lord's voice. What if the Lord calls me to Africa? What if the Lord calls me to sell my house and give everything away, everything that I've worked for? What if he does? What if, he, what if this? What if that? Stop with the what ifs, because you're called. 
You're called to go do something somewhere. We need to listen to the voice of the Lord. Secondly, not only do we listen, but we go to the world. I love the simplicity of Isaiah chapter 6, verse 9. After Isaiah comes and says, here am I, send me, God says, go. With an exclamation point, right? Go, exclamation point, like move from this place. Don't stay in this place because I know it's a nice, wonderful place. You've now just been forgiven and you're in the presence of God, but God had a plan for Isaiah's life. Isaiah needed to be a suffering servant because God's, God's prophet needed to go to God's people with a hard message. Remember, at this time, God's people are in so much rebellion against God. They've forgotten God. They're not doing anything towards him. They don't even care about him. And God, because he loved his rebellious people, sent Isaiah to go. Isaiah had a message. Isaiah's message was kind of twofold. Isaiah's main message was, listen, like we are rebellious against God. If we do not turn back to God, then judgment's going to come. That was his message. That wasn't a popular message. Telling his people, the people he came in contact with, you are not okay. We are not okay. We've sinned against God. We've lost our first love. And he was rejected. He was rejected. No one wanted to listen. But yet Isaiah was also the prophet who got to foretell about the coming Messiah, the one that would come and rescue man from their sins, the one that would come and save the world. You see, we have the benefit of living on this side of the cross. For Jesus has come. Jesus has done the work so that we can be saved. We can fully experience the forgiveness and grace of God. But here's the challenge that we're left with, just like Isaiah was left with. Isaiah's message was not popular. Our message is not popular. But we also don't have the luxury of modifying our message. There is no other gospel than the gospel that Jesus has given us. And the gospel is this, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. This is the gospel message. To alter that at any, any way, shape, or form is to preach a gospel that's not the gospel. And yeah, it is it is not popular to go to someone and look them in the eyes and say, you know what, you're not okay. You've got a big problem. Same problem I have, but you've got a big problem. You're a sinner. And your sin is going to bring about condemnation from the Lord, but God loves you so much that God doesn't want you to stay in your sinful state because God loves, but God gives. And God gave Jesus who came and lived a perfect life so that he could die the death that you deserve. Jesus died in your place. Jesus took all of your sin. Jesus took all of your shame. Jesus took all your mistakes, all your failures, and paid the penalty for that. And then Jesus died, and now Jesus is alive because God saw his sacrifice as enough. Now Jesus is alive, and so death has gone, gone away. Forgiveness is fully there, and man can fully know God. But there's a catch. 
It only comes through faith in Jesus. Anyone that would believe in Jesus will have eternal life. This is the message. This is the only message that matters. No other message matters than Jesus himself. I love how Jesus tells us after he he, uh, goes to the cross, dies, goes to the grave, and comes back alive at the end of Matthew 18, this is what he says to his followers that were there and to you and to me. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Every person that has seen the glory of God in the face of Christ and received his forgiveness through faith is called to make disciples of all nations. You and I are a part of God's great plan of redemption. We're not called to sit on the sidelines, but we're called to jump in and to make a difference. Thank you, God, for Pastor Jeff Keith. <laughs> As Lottie later on in her life was continuing on to continue to encourage others to go, she continued to write, and this is one of the things that she said. She said, a young man should ask himself, not if it is his duty to go to the heathen, but if he may dare stay home. For the command is so plain and simple, go. See, the call is not, God, are you calling me to stay home? No, the the question is not, should I stay? The question is, where are you sending me? That's the question we should constantly be asking. Lord, where are you sending me? What would you have me do? Lottie continues on and she says this, I have a firm conviction that I am immortal until my work is done. Oh, that we would live in such a way. Knowing and having complete and confirmed confidence in the Lord that I am immortal, that you are immortal until our work on earth is done. No weapon formed against you will prosper. But we're afraid that we're gonna hurt someone's feelings. I can't tell that person to Jesus because what if they reject it? Who cares? That's not your call. Your call is to be faithful and realize you are immortal. Nothing can touch you until it's your time to go home. Man, we should live with that much boldness every single day. Talk to the the waitress at lunch today. Talk to your coworker that you've been afraid to share your faith with. Talk to your loved one. Talk to everyone. The name of Jesus should be so prevalent on our tongue that everyone knows that we're a Jesus lover and a God follower. Lottie loved the people of China so much that she was all in. She gave everything. She was so committed to her life there that she lived in poverty among the people. She gave all that she had away. And by the time that she was 72 years old, she'd given 40 years of her life to the people of China. And she was so frail and she was so sick that the foreign mission board called to her and said, you gotta come home. And so she boarded a ship And as she went down into the belly of the ship, after being a faithful servant, on Christmas Eve, she died. 
That is a life well lived. Giving up everything for the sake of the gospel, for people that don't know Jesus. You know, we see, we see commercials all the time. Like, we know in our minds, you know in your mind right now that there are kids down the street, you know that there are kids on the other side of the world that are starving and are malnourished. Right? We know this in our mind, right? But, but we're not compelled to do anything until we see a commercial of the, those faces of those kids. Like those malnourished little, little kids with their bellies that are bloated because they don't have enough nutrition in their lives and they're, they're living in squalor with, with flies flying. You've seen those pictures. And the reason that they send those pictures to, you, to us in those advertisements is because we normally aren't compelled to go or to do anything until we see it. And this is the call on our lives. We, we've been living lives with blinders on thinking that the sole purpose of your life is to make much of yourself, to make as much money as you can, to have a nice house, to have a, a nice career and all that other stuff. That's what this world has told you. And you're, some of us are chasing so fast after that that we've forgotten to stop and look around. And we should be praying that God would take the blinders off of our eyes so that we could see all the lostness that is around us. All the death and the decay and the depravity that is all around us. Because if we were to see... If we truly could see, we would be moved. You can't see that and be unmoved. That's what Lottie was able to see. She was able to see people, their eyes, their faces, and she could see that their souls were in danger and she gave her life over to that. Would we be like arrows in the hand of an archer? Would we just say, okay, God, I'm in your quiver. I'm one of your children. Pick me. Take me out of the quiver, pull me out, put me on that, that, that bow and pull me back. And I know it's going to hurt. I know it's going to hurt. But you pull me back with everything. You direct me exactly where you want me to go. And then you let me go. And I will go with all of your authority, with all of your power, with all of your direction. And I will be a, a, a mark of your glory so that the nations may know you. And this morning, it's it's. God may not be calling you to the ends of the earth, but God is calling you to go. And I want to remind you moms this morning, the primary place to make disciples is in your home. God makes you a mom because he wants you to pass on your legacy of faith to your children. So we need you moms to continue to raise your children in love of the Lord. Continue to show them. Don't show them your, your perfection. Show them that you're a mom that makes mistakes. Like, show them your walk. Like, when you fall down, what do you do? You ask the Lord to help you get back up again. Your kids don't need to see your perfection. Your kids need to see you, your walk with the Lord. Young people, I want to tell you, I want to encourage you, don't waste your life trying to make a kingdom for yourself. Don't use your energy amassing a kingdom of your own, but use your time, use your energy to serve the Lord. You may be a person here that's in the middle of your career, and maybe you've just kind of been following the company line your whole life. You're like, okay, this is just, this is just the next thing. I gotta work really, really hard because the next stage of my life is retirement, so I gotta make sure that I'm making enough money to make me settle now, so I'm gonna do the thing. Stop thinking like that. Right? You have the job that you have right now because God has strategically placed you there so that you can be a light in a dark place. So maybe 
you're considering, God, how would you help me be a light at my workplace? Or, or maybe you're here and you're tired. I'm mean, like, you've, you've spent those years serving in kids' ministry, you worked in student ministry, and you, you've served the church. I want you to know you're not done yet. You never, ever, ever retire from being on mission with God. You have breath in your lungs, God still wants to use you. So do not sit back and say, okay, this message is for someone else. I'm, I'm talking to everybody here. Whether you have gray hair or no hair. This call goes out to everyone. We can all still be involved. We can pray, we can give, we can go. I don't know where God is calling you in your life today, but my prayer is that you have heard his voice and your response today is, here am I, send me. We have two opportunities that are coming up in the life of our church where you can get involved, where you can be Jesus' hands and feet. The first one is coming up um, next weekend, or no, two weekends uh, from now. It's our oil change. And if you'd like to be a part of our hospitality team, if you'd like to make food, if you'd like to be a prayer warrior, if you'd like to change oil, there are so many opportunities. We have a, a, a table out there that you can sign up for. But we also coming up this summer, we have our big outreach to families with our flip camp. If you'd like to help with that, we need volunteers. We need people to help serve by teaching. We need those that can help with crafts. We need help every single way. If, you, if you've got breath in your lungs, we can use you in some way for flip camp. And so we would like to use you there as well. But my prayer is as we sing this closing song, maybe we wouldn't start off by singing. Maybe instead, in the stillness of our hearts, we just say, Lord, here am I, send me. And then we listen to his voice and his calling on our lives. Maybe you're here today and you've come with a burden and you just need someone to pray with you. We do have a prayer team that will be available over here during the closing song. Feel free to make your way over there to them, and they'd love to pray with you. But let us respond to the message of the gospel today. Father, we th come now thanking you for your love, mercy, and grace in our lives. And we thank you, God, for the call that we saw that you placed on Isaiah's life. I also thank you, Father, for the call that you placed on Lottie Moon's life. I thank you in both those incidents, instances we see your children being faithful to obey your call. And Father, we know that even in our own lives, for those of us that have been forgiven by you, that the forgiveness and the salvation that we've experienced is not for us just to experience on our own, but that you call us to go as well. And so Father, I pray right now that your spirit would continue to be working in our hearts and that we would hear your voice and that we would respond in obedience. Father, as we sing this song, continue to work and help us to obey. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.